How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to the latest episode of Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace. It is Tuesday, December 1st. Happy December to everyone. Happy podcast, everyone. It has been a hot minute since we've done one of these. Um, traveling for the holidays, I just I kind of knew I wasn't going to be able to put out much. Went back to New York for a few days, had a lot of plans in between, so I just I knew that I wasn't going to have time to also, you know, Teddy and I were just not able to figure out, um, you know, I just, the holidays, I'm not going to mess around when it comes to the podcast. I just, I want to enjoy time with my fam and, and, and that. So uh, we are back now. We're going to go through a recap of week 12 of the NFL season, game by game, obviously. The uh, Steelers-Ravens game has since been moved to Wednesday early afternoon, which will be exciting for me as someone who who works from home to be able to work while having an NFL game on right next to me. So that'll be very entertaining. So obviously we won't be able to get every game uh, from Week 12 in here, but we're going to get as many as possible. Um, And we'll go through a full recap of everything from this entire week. It was quite a week. A lot of people lost their jobs. Uh, We'll talk about those after... We recap some of those games, injuries, suspensions. There was a lot. There was a lot that happened in Week 12, and uh, don't worry, I'll I'll be able to talk about the onslaught that my Colts faced against Tennessee uh, very soon. So we are going to go through all of that and kind of just make our way through Week 12. We'll we'll do three podcasts again this week, and we're going to do it for the next three weeks or Four weeks until I head back for, of course, Christmas and New Year's. I'm sure that I won't be putting out as much uh, when that day comes. So um, we've got a few weeks now where we can get some consistent stuff in there. Also, the uh, NFL, or not the NFL, the podcast studio, in quotes, is uh, is currently being built. So I'm excited to eventually bring some video content to this and be able to uh, make this a multimedia thing. We're going to put up full episodes on YouTube. Um and we'll kind of go through that way, just uh, another extension of the podcast, another uh, place for people to go for all of their content. So let's get right into it. That is enough. Um, so let's go in now. We are going to go talk about the Thursday Thanksgiving games. Um, we only got two of them, unfortunately, with, of course, what originally was supposed to be Baltimore and Pittsburgh is now playing, uh, being played almost an entire week later. But first things first, the Texans and the Lions, Houston uh, was victorious, 41 to 25. Both teams are now four and seven. Um, two big things, as I was saying, happened uh, recently, I guess, about the outcome of this game. First, to talk about the Texans real quick. Obviously, Will Fuller being suspended for the rest of the season. Uh, he will also miss one game of the upcoming uh, NFL season in uh, 2021, where he's a free agent this offseason. Obviously, his time may have come to an end in Houston. Uh, Houston has a lot to figure out this offseason when it comes to the cap, their draft capital. Um, so whether or not Will Fuller remain will remain a Texan is to be seen, uh, but there's a very good chance that maybe he's played his last down in Houston. Um, the game itself, it was sloppy. Uh, Houston really dominated despite, you know, they took advantage of some Detroit turnovers uh, deep in their own territory. Um, and, and Deshaun Watson is still Deshaun Watson, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league that unfortunately is just on a very bad team, so he doesn't get a lot of the attention. It was nice that he got a primetime game on Thanksgiving to show off, 17-25 uh, for 318, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, and, and, you know, like we were saying, you know, Will Fuller was really coming into his own, had a great game this past week, six catches, 171 yards, and two touchdowns. 
he was terrific. Um, you know, it's, it's funny to take a look at who the four uh, wide receivers for the uh, Texans were at the beginning of the season. They had Will Fuller, who is now suspended. Uh, Brandon Cooks is the one guy that is still around, I guess. And then I believe it was Kenny Stills and Randall Cobb. Both of those guys are now out of Houston as well. So um, good win for Houston. At this point, you know, they, they don't have a first-round pick to play for. They don't have a second-round pick to play for. Uh, that's their own. Specifically, they have, uh, I believe, Arizona's. Um, or no, the Rams? They have they have someone's second-round pick, but they don't have their own. So at this point, there's no reason to not, you know, there's no reason to tank if you're the Texans. I mean, try and win some games. End the season on a high note. You know, Romeo Cornell is trying to prove himself um, as a as a... Uh, a coach candidate to be considered potentially. Obviously, I don't think that is the direction they will go in uh, this offseason. I think they'll bring in someone new as they kind of try to restructure around Deshaun Watson, but there's a lot on the line for these players and coaches, so it's nice to be in a situation where there's no incentive to really tank. I mean, sure, you might get an earlier third-round pick or an earlier fourth-round pick, but there's nothing in the top 64 that is being impacted by the way that you finish this season, so go out there, stats, try and win um, and, and it was an impressive win over the Lions. And now on the flip side for Detroit, uh, they are starting all over. Um, they gave Matt Patricia and, uh, oh, God, the GM's name is slipping my head right now. This is killed. Bob Quinn. They gave both of those guys an extra day after Thanksgiving. They announced the firing on Saturday. Um, I was actually on a flight back to Nashville. And my plane landed, and I got the news that uh, both had been fired. You knew it was going to happen at some point. I wasn't sure if they were going to wait till the end of the season or not. Obviously, they're sitting at four and seven, um, it, so you know the, the playoff race is out of out of their hands at this point. Not that it really ever was there, I guess. Uh, but for Detroit, there's there's so much to consider uh, for this upcoming off season. You know, Matt Stafford is a, a very talented quarterback. Uh, but if you're Detroit and you're saying, okay, we're starting new with a GM, we're starting new with a head coach, you know, we may have a top pick. There's a lot of talented rookies that are going to be available in this draft class. Is there, a, is there a reason to maybe try and get some extra picks for a guy like Matt Stafford? I think a lot of teams would offer up a, a decent amount to get him. You know, I think of Denver. You know, if they if they decide Drew Locke isn't the guy, why not send him to uh to Denver to play for the Broncos. Uh, you know, every team that is thinking about moving on from a quarterback has to consider the Indianapolis Colts as an option if Phillip Rivers does not return to Indy. Um, you know, there's going to be so much for the Colts to decide as an organization. You know, some teams out there that, you know, may want to replace their quarterback but don't have a high enough draft pick to take one. I mean, God, if, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the Browns in a second, but fuck, I mean, if Baker's not the guy, San Francisco, if Jimmy G's not the guy, there's a lot of possible situations where, where Matt Stafford could really help out a different NFL franchise if Detroit chooses to take this whole uh, you know reset button and, and move forward without him. So um, there's some young pieces to work with in Detroit that's very exciting. You know, you've got a nice running back in DeAndre Swift. Um, Jeff Okuda, the number three pick from this past year, is a talented cornerback. Um not a whole lot out there that you really, you know, can hang your hat on, but some solid pieces to build upon in Detroit. I'm going to put it out there right now. It just makes the most sense that Robert Sala, uh, defensive coordinator with the 49ers, gets this job. If I was to be a betting man, I would I would say go ahead and, and you know, put some odds on that right there. He grew up in Detroit. 
um, went to school in Michigan. He's just got so many ties. I, I didn't realize until I read kind of the connecting of the dots to him and the and this, uh, city of Detroit. Um, I think that he would just be a no-brainer as a guy that would, you know, that is definitely worthy of the opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL. You know, I think everybody was, um, you know, people thought he may get a job this past offseason. It didn't go that direction. I, I would expect... Detroit with the ties to him growing up there, going to school there. Um, I, I think that that would be a, a slam dunk hire uh, at head coach now. Um, so Detroit, ugly, ugly game. Like we said, a lot of turnovers in this one that just uh, really plagued them. Um, Houston got great field position in that game. It was an ugly game. I didn't more so want to talk about this game, just talk about the future of both these organizations. So uh, there's that. Detroit lost four straight games on Thanksgiving now. Both teams, four and seven. Texans win it 41 to 25. Second uh, Thanksgiving game, the Washington football team just destroyed the Dallas Cowboys. 41 to 16. Washington is now four and seven. Dallas falls to three and eight. Uh, not going to lie, after Dallas uh, impressed me against Minnesota, I thought that this was a, a turning of, of the page for them. I thought they would be able to beat the Washington football team and maybe try and still win this division by the end of the year. They looked awful. Uh, there was no protection all day for Andy Dalton, which makes sense because the Washington front seven is legit. Um, you know, just taking a look at the lines, Dalton, you know, he... <laughs> 25 of 35, 215, only one pick, threw a touchdown as well too. Um, the 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 story with the Cowboys and it's it's just such a tough thing because you really I'm all for players getting played. I'm all for players trying to get their money when they can. Um, Ezekiel Elliott is one of the worst contracts in football right now. Ten carries for 32 yards. Obviously they were down. Um, Going into the second half, Washington really just poured on the points in the fourth quarter, though. So it was a close game for the most part, but Washington definitely had control for most of the way. Zeke is is an awful contract. Um, you know, there are some really bad quarterback contracts in the NFL right now, but outside of the quarterback position, Zeke is a really bad one. Um, he has been getting worse as the years have gone on. And now you've got a guy like Tony Pollard who didn't do much against Washington, but throughout the season has showed more pop, and um, and I guess he has brought more excitement to the offense than Zeke has, so really interesting situation for Dallas, um, but hey, uh, they've got great receiving talent in Cooper, Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb, um, just, it's, it's just a disastrous season, you look, and also you lose three linemen in the first half of the first quarter, obviously that's not going to go well for you. So uh, they've got a lot of injuries on the line. Obviously Dak Prescott uh, missing. He is the heartbeat of that team. Uh, the defense has had a very underperforming season. I was thinking maybe they could still pull it around, pull it out, turn it around after beating uh, Minnesota last week, but uh, this season is over for the Cowboys. It, it should have been a long time ago. I um, mean, then for Washington, hey, it, Alex Smith has, has been very consistent. Now, he obviously isn't what he was two years ago, but in a few games now, we've seen that he can be a serviceable starter. He was very efficient, 19-26, uh, to 26, only threw for 149 and had a touchdown. The name of the game for Washington was running the ball. Antonio Gibson, 20 carries, 115 yards, three touchdowns. Anybody can run on Dallas, but he was terrific on, on, on Thursday. And um, then you had Peyton Barber kind of going in there. He got 11 carries as well, too. 
Um, they ran the ball really well. They got some open looks for Terry McLaurin, who is a legit top receiver in this football league. Um, it, it's, it's really impressive what he's been able to do with the amount of quarterbacks that he's had to play with um, and the amount of bad quarterbacks he's had to play with, too. Now, I said Smith is serviceable, but, I mean, just go through who they've had to suit up the last two seasons. Um, it's very impressive what Terry has done. He's a legit, talented wide receiver. Um, I was kind of hoping for Washington that they would end up in this um, race for the second overall pick. Uh, I don't believe that they'll have a chance at doing that now. Now that they're at four and seven, I would have loved Justin Fields uh, with this offense. I thought it would have been great. Um, I'm still hopeful that maybe they can take Zach Wilson from BYU. I just don't know where they're going to be picking. But this is a very exciting um, time in Washington. You've got a really great or a, a young, talented running back in Gibson. Terry McLaurin is very, is, like I said, a great receiver. Uh, you need to fix up the offensive line. The secondary has been getting better, but I also think that's because they haven't faced that many great quarterbacks recently. So I still think they need help on the back end. The front seven is is going to be great for years. Um, it's an exciting time in Washington. I really think just there there may be a quarterback that can really push the needle. Um, they're they're that kind of quarterback talent away from being a pretty impressive team. So. Um, four and seven, they're still in the race for the NFC East. Will they make the playoffs? I, I, I'm buying into another team in the NFC East. I have been for a few weeks now, but very impressive showing. Uh, Gibson, most rushing touchdowns by a rookie on Thanksgiving since 1948. So let's move on now to the Sunday slate. Uh, we're going to start with one of the biggest blowouts of the week, a game that to me was a lock, and it just it, it went completely the opposite way. Uh, just a side note, if you were paying attention, you follow me on Twitter where I released me and Teddy's, Teddy and I's picks against the spread. Uh, I had a terrible, terrible week on the Sunday games. I only got two right against the spread. Um, Gambling-wise, it, it was an awful week. Uh, so we, we are going to have to turn things around starting in week 13. I was all over the Raiders. I had them in a bunch of different plays. They shit the bed um, in Atlanta. Uh, 43-6, the Falcons won it. They moved to 4-7. and seven. Las Vegas falls to 6-5, and five, which, man, they were... They, I was really riding the, the Raiders are going to make the playoffs. Now being just a game above 500 with the amount of teams in the AFC that are doing well this year, that's a... You need to win that game. Um, it got out of hand, and, and it, it's going to be tough to really try and carve out a role in this AFC playoff picture. There's just so many talented teams. Um, you know, it... They couldn't get anything going on the ground. You get down so early on, it, you can't utilize your best player in Josh Jacobs. He only ran the ball seven times. They just had to throw a bunch. And they had quick drives that just ended in three and outs. Meanwhile, Atlanta was just... Really, they didn't even do a whole lot on offense. You take a look, Matt Ryan only threw for 185 yards. Ito Smith was the leading rusher with 65. Him and Brian Hill, I guess, at least combined for over 100 and 10 rushing yards on uh, 25 total carries. Uh, there was no Julio Jones, so Calvin Ridley led the way with six catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. It was just an ugly-ass game. You know, you take a look at the first few drives for Las Vegas. First, it started with a turnover on downs, then a fumble on the first play of their next drive, a three-and-out on the following. They got their field goal, but then in the second quarter, three-and-out, a um, a fumble on their second drive in the second quarter, and then it was halftime. So they just they got nothing going early on, and Atlanta was just pouring it on. They really were. And then in the second half, they exploded as well too. 
Um, 27 points in the second half. Just an ugly, ugly game. And this is Atlanta is always that team that is just going to screw you over. When, you, when you're really down on them and you don't expect them to do much, they'll come out and they'll just demolish a team like Las Vegas. This was just a wonky week in the NFL. Um, and I wasn't prepared for it. The, the Falcons dominated the Raiders here. Atlanta, kind of a similar situation for me as, as Detroit, where it's like, okay, we're hitting this reset button in the offseason. We've got a bad team. We've got talented young guys around. Uh, but what is going to be the market for Matt Ryan is really interesting to me because if, if you're picking in a range where you can get a young guy or maybe you want to just hit a reset button, I know one guy in particular that would really really want Matt Ryan and he lives in San Francisco his name is Kyle Shanahan they've had a lot of success together I don't believe that the 49ers uh, see Jimmy G as a long-term fixture there and I really do think that the quarterback market this offseason is going to be very interesting so just something to keep an eye on Uh, you know they're one of those teams like Detroit Detroit and Atlanta you know, where where are you going to be in the next three to five years? Because you you have a very limited window with those two quarterbacks in Matt Stafford and Matt Ryan. They're not getting younger. Um, so how are you going to maximize this window? Or do you decide, let's get the value for them now? Because the value is only going to get less and less as the years go on. So this might be the best time to trade away these quarterbacks. You know, the faces of your franchise, yes, but if you don't think that you're in a title window in the next three to five years, why would you pay that quarterback that much money? You can get a head start on the next move and tie your new GM, your new head coach, tie those two to the new quarterback. So uh, very interesting for the Falcons, the Raiders. The story here is it's going to be tough to get into the playoffs. Um, you know, I'll pull up the rest of their schedule just to see what they could realistically finish with because I know it's not that tough, but being at six and five, there you you the margin for error is is so low. They've got the Jets, that's a win. The Colts, interesting game there. Um, and then, you know, it, it's not that tough. They've got the Chargers and Broncos. The Dolphins are another team where it's like, okay, you, you have to beat the Dolphins to me in that scenario if you want to make it to the playoffs because the Dolphins are going to be right up there pushing for the playoffs as well. You got to beat the Colts too if you want to get into the playoffs. Um, they play in two weeks, so that'll be a really interesting game. The AFC playoff picture is going to be so fun to monitor over the you know the the remaining season. I can't say the same about the NFC. I feel like we've got a pretty solid idea of who's going to be in it from there, but buckle up because the AFC is going to be really fun to watch over the next few weeks. All right, now I, I'm going to get really pissy about this next game. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers fell to the Buffalo Bills on the road, 27 to 17. The Bills now eight and three. Uh, should have full control of that AFC East. I know Miami is still hanging around. I think Buffalo is the team there. Uh, but they beat the Chargers by 10 points. Los Angeles falls to 3-8. and eight. Guys, I have been saying it since the middle of last year, I believe. And, and yesterday was the nail in the coffin. You cannot let Anthony Lynn come back as the head coach for the Chargers next year. There is no possible way that you can let someone who is... It's the worst situational football from a head coach I've ever seen in my life. It's so bad. Not only did he call two timeouts uh, throughout the course of that game that allowed the Bills more time to put up 14 of their 27 points in that game, but the last drive for the Chargers, down 10, need a touchdown, need an onside kick, need a field goal, no timeouts. They had the worst play calling I have ever seen. Justin Herbert saved them on that drive by making some ridiculous passes. Then they get to the red zone, the clock is running, 
and they call a run play from the five. It doesn't get dumber than that. It doesn't. They wasted 20 seconds left of the clock. So it was down to six seconds at that point. And then the final play where Herbert's trying to get a touchdown in there at the very last second, his offensive line is in pass protection, and he tries to sneak it, and he gets hammered at the line of scrimmage. It made me so mad. It, it blows my mind that there are still idiots like this coaching at the NFL level. And, it, it, and it's not just this game. It's been that way since last season, the entire season this year. You know, you know that the, they, they've got, I think, up until this game, I think every game had been in single digits, decided by single digits. Let me pull it up. So let's take a look here. Uh, every game. Every game has been decided within single digits. And in every game, there has been one or two decisions by Anthony Lynn that, that cost them this game. You know, Los Angeles is in a really interesting position. They need to start popping off to get a fan base in Los Angeles. Because right now, the Rams, the Rams own L.A. The Chargers need to start stacking wins here. And, and you've got the quarterback finally. You've got Justin Herbert doing things that no rookie quarterback has ever done before. This guy is legit. You need to make sure that you are building around him and quick. Because if not, you're not going to be able to establish a fan base in Los Angeles. And when you don't do that, and you've put in $2.5 billion into a stadium, and then you maybe have to consider leaving again, it is so important for the Chargers franchise over the next year and a half to really start stacking an impressive team here. And it's talented on offense. They've got defensive studs, albeit this year, Summer Hurt, Melvin Ingram, Derwin James. Talent is all over this team, but their head coach is just getting in the way week in and week out. Like, you you need to get rid of Anthony Lynn. It, it pisses me off so much that, you know, it, it's a disservice to, to Chargers fans, um, even NFL fans, because everyone wants to root for this Justin Herbert kid. I've been rooting for him since his early years in college. There hasn't been a guy that I, I was so excited to see this guy succeed his rookie year, and he's been so impressive, but his head coach is an absolute idiot. And so I, it just pisses me off. They're 3-8, and eight, high draft pick. I'm hope, I, I pray, honestly, at this point that they lose out so they can fire Lynn. I would hate for this to end up being a team that wins a couple late games. They finish 6-10, and 7-9 and nine like, the, like the Falcons did last year. And then they don't fire uh, their head coach, um, Dan Quinn. And then they come into the next season, they start 0-5. Oh, now we got to fire Dan Quinn. No, it, I, I hope that the Chargers lose out at this point so they can realize that Anthony Lynn is not the right head coach for this team. And he's not the right head coach for any team. Pissed me off. I, I was so frustrated watching this game. It, it blew my mind that such uh, idiotic decisions could be made by a head coach. Whew. All right, on the, on the flip side of it, the Bills, they escape out here. It wasn't pretty. Uh, there were a lot of turnovers late in the game. Uh, Allen only had one interception. I believe he had one or two fumbles in there as well, too. Um, the one thing I'll say about the Bills, I, I said the most important thing about the Bills and if they could be legit contenders was progress in the run game. We have started to see that now. They had their best game on the ground, to me, um, just in terms of yards per carry. You know, they didn't run the ball a lot, but Singletary had 11 for 82. Uh, Moss had 9 for 59. So when they were running the ball, it was going well. 
that's what I needed to see um, out of out of Buffalo. You know, the defense still has me questioning things at times. Um, they held their own against a, a Chargers offense that has a lot of talent. And so um, the Bills, I, I'm not counting them out yet. They, they are one of those teams that um, each week, you know, regardless of who they're facing, they present a very tough uh, matchup on offense. And obviously, you know, look, this offense really does struggle without John Brown. And, and so, you know, you need to make sure that he's healthy come playoff time. He wasn't out there yesterday. Um, but when you can bring out a wide receiving set, four guys, Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley, and Gabriel Davis, like that is that is impressive stuff. And so you need Brown Brown in there um, to really make it that lethal. But hey, I uh, I do like what we're getting out of Buffalo. Um, it was clunky, but it, it it was a good win. So I'm gonna give it to him eight and three. I mean, if you're taking a look at the AFC, uh, to me they're the I don't know. I'm still so down on the the Steelers for no reason. Um, but I, I'd say the Bills, you got to consider them as, as, you know, one of those final three, two teams in the AFC to take seriously. They win here 27 to 17. Man. Whew, Anthony Lynn got me heated. All right, let's move on to this crapshoot of a game. The Giants beat the Bengals 19 to 17. Giants won three straight games for the first time in 2016. They are now in the lead of the NFC least. Uh, meanwhile, the Bengals fall to 2 8 and 1. Um, I was hoping they were going to let my boy Ryan Finley toss it around, uh, but obviously it, it was the uh, Brandon Allen show. Was it? Was that Brandon Allen? Was he the right one? Yeah, it was Brandon. There's too many Allens that play quarterback in the league. Um, he was okay, 17-29, 136, one touchdown, one pick. They got nothing going on the ground. It was really just an ugly, ugly game. They got the late touchdown at the end of screw over the spread. Uh, Daniel Jones going down, that's that's something that we definitely have to monitor um, how long he is going to be out. Now, obviously, he is not a an extremely impressive quarterback, but he really was starting to come into his own three straight games without a turnover. Um, he went 16-27 for 213 uh, before getting hurt. Now it's over to Colt McCoy. Not sure how long he's going to be the quarterback there. Not sure how long Daniel Jones is going to be out. My thing with the Giants, I just say it every week. They are the one team in the NFC East that I say is getting better every single week. Now, Washington is sort of like that. They definitely looked a lot better than they had in weeks prior uh, on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys. But the Giants, to me, have a really great defense. Uh, playmakers on offense, they're finding Evan Ingram. They're getting him way more involved, which I like to see. Wayne Gallman had a great day on the ground, 94 yards and a touchdown. Uh, like I said, with Ingram, six catches for 129 yards. They're, to me, the team in the NFC East. And it, and it comes down to coaching. I, I'm i going to say it for the next year and a half. Joe Judge is the right guy for New York. He is the right guy for the Giants. I pray to God that they, you know, make a switch at GM because I don't necessarily love uh, Gettleman. But they've got the head coach figured out. Um, it's a shame that Daniel Jones was coming into a, a good stretch. Now, it wasn't amazing, but he wasn't turning the ball over. And that's the biggest thing for Daniel Jones is limiting those turnovers. And so to not fumble or throw an interception, cost your team points, I, I was I was really excited. It, it's a bummer to see him go down. Hopefully he can return soon. Um, and then for the Bengals, nothing to say. Awful team. Uh, <laughs> nothing really to say. I... I I don't know if they're going to fire Zach Taylor. They probably won't. I would. I, I, I just want Joe Brady and Joe Burrow together. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this. Bengals are bad. Giants, 
to me, they're the, they're the team to beat in the NFC East. All right, so let's get this next one out of the way. The Titans beat up the Colts 45-26, to Tennessee 8-3, Indianapolis 7-4. and What a game. You know, it was an uphill battle for the Colts coming into this without DeForest Buckner and uh, Danico Autry in the middle of that defensive line. Um, obviously, Derrick Henry is one of the best running backs in all of football. Power running back, you're missing an all-pro D tackle. Um, another great interior defensive lineman in Autry. Derrick Henry just, he God, he ran rampant. I mean, let's just take a look at the numbers. 27 carries, 178, three touchdowns. Uh, Donta Foreman also averaged seven yards per carry on his four attempts. A.J. Brown had a really long touchdown. Uh, really thought the Colts did well early on to keep pace with with uh, Tennessee. You know, they, they scored right after both times. Um, and it was 14-14 going into the second quarter. And uh, once it got to the, the, the tough one, 28 to 14, I was like, okay, there's, you know, 245 left in the half. Maybe they can get a drive going, kick a field goal. Then it's only an 11-point game going into halftime. The the real nail in the coffin was a, a three and out uh, that only ate up 28 seconds of the clock. Um, they got one yard out of it, gave Tennessee great field position, um, and allowed Tennessee to score a, a final touchdown before the end of the half to go up 35-14. to 14. The game was over at that point. Um, also have to consider for the Colts, uh, no Ryan Kelly on the offensive line. Um, and then Costanzo went out with what is now a, a sprained MCL midway through that game as well, too. So, brutal, brutal game for the Colts. Not even just the loss, but these injuries. It's... it's um, it's tough. I'm not sure what the Colts need to do along the offensive line. Uh, LaRaven Clark is not a left tackle um, in the NFL. He's a little bit slower, but I would consider putting Quentin out to left tackle for the time being, if that's even something they would consider. I would move another guy into the interior offensive line and just say, hey, Quentin, for a week or two, we just need you to toughen up, keep those legs quick, and, uh, and defend some edge rushers. Fortunately for the Colts, the next few weeks of the schedule isn't awful. Um, I know they've got the Raiders in two weeks, so even if Costanzo just misses one game, um, which is upcoming against the Texans, I expect them to win that one, uh, whether or not they are available. Um, But you get the Texans twice in the next three weeks. You've got two tough games left on the schedule, the Raiders in two weeks, and then the Steelers a month from now um, towards the end of December. So even if they go 3-2, and two, that is a 10-win team. Um, that's a 10-win team that makes the playoffs. So, um, look, I I don't know where to go on this one. I, I, I still never really fully bought into the Colts. I, I don't think anyone should... I don't think anyone ever bought into them as like, oh, this could be a team that's in the AFC Championship game. No, they've got a really good defense. They've got limitations on offense. Uh, the connection between Philip Rivers and T.Y. Hilton has never developed, ever. Um, doesn't seem like it will. Um, Michael Pittman had a rough a rough week after two games of, of really coming onto the scene. Um, missing, you know, Jonathan Taylor definitely hurts the rotation, uh, but that's why we have guys like, you know, Naeem Hines and Jordan Wilkins. Wilkins, of course, got banged up too. Um, 
I'm making excuses for the Colts right now. Really, they just didn't show up. And for the Titans, they just rode Derrick Henry. And uh, once they got up 35-14, to 14, the game was over. So they had an impressive 30 minutes of football. Didn't let the Colts creep back too far into the game. And uh, look, for here's the interesting thing. So if the Colts go 3-2, and two, they're 10-6. and six. The Titans' schedule isn't that easy. So just for comparison, we got to take a look at who they play. So they do get teams. I guess they've got the same kind of thing where they've got two tough games and three kind of easy ones. Uh, the most important one for the Titans coming up is you got to take care of the Browns. Um, you got to take care of Cleveland this upcoming week. Uh, they're one of the two tough games, and they got the Packers at the end of December as well, the same week that the Colts play the Steelers. Uh, but they've got the Lions, Texans, and Jaguars as well. So those are probably three wins. Tennessee could very well be an 11-5 and team to win that division. The Colts could be a wildcard team at 10-6. and um, I'm just going to hopefully uh, you know, pray that maybe Deshaun Watson can, can spoil something in Week 17 where we can maybe sneak into the division. But... Uh, you know, really, at, at this point, it seems like Tennessee is in the driver's seat for the AFC South. Uh, they've also won three of their last four road games in Indy. Everybody keeps winning in each other's uh, backyard. So, ugly game. Really only needed to watch 30 minutes of it. Um, obviously, as a Colts fan, I made myself suffer for all 60 minutes. But um, for the Colts, the name of the game is getting healthy. Fortunately, it's an easier week this week. So, I, would, I wouldn't even bring some guys back. You know, DeForest can play. Um, if he doesn't have symptoms, he'll return Saturday. So if he's in enough, good enough shape, let him go. Jonathan Taylor is going to be back as well, too. Um, but the injuries to the offensive line, like if Kelly is, like, not fully sure how to go, then I would wait. Obviously, Costanza is going to be out at least one week. Um, so they got to get healthy. And for the Titans, this offense is great. It really is. Um, I expected it to regress, and it, it hasn't. They've been really impressive. You know, they had a few games in there that it was like, oh, they stumbled. They almost beat the Steelers. Um, they really took care of the Ravens, and now they took care of the Colts. They got a really good offense. I don't love their defense, but offensively, they're they're one of the tougher teams to match up with. Titans win 45-26. to We got a long episode ahead of us, ladies and gentlemen. There'll be a few games that we don't really need to spend too much time on. Uh, really fun game in Jacksonville, uh, where the Browns emerged victorious 27-25. They moved to 8-3. Cleveland already uh, eight-plus wins for the first time since 2007. Hopefully they've got things headed in the right direction. The Jaguars, they fall to 1-10. Haven't won since week one. Look, Mike Glennon was definitely the best quarterback uh, that Jacksonville has had this year. You know, Minshew had a few weeks where it was like, oh, maybe him. But no, Glennon, Glennon played pretty well. 20 of 35, 235, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, you know, really, here's the thing for Jacksonville. You know, it's really interesting to see where they move forward because at the end of the year, I expect this team to have the number two overall pick. Um, and I would expect that they get Justin Fields in that draft. They've got a lot of young talent on this team that, um, you know, they fired uh, David Caldwell um, this past uh, uh, Sunday night after, the, after their loss. Um, they're going to let Marone coach through the rest of the year, I guess. I'm not sure what the situation's like, if he's coaching for his job or if it's already made up that he's going to be out the door. Whoever takes over in Jacksonville has a really exciting opportunity here. You know, young guys like Levinska Chenault, Keelan Cole, um, you've got DJ Chark, 
D.D. Westbrook, the running back James Robinson, undrafted. What an amazing story. He, he ran uh, for 128 and a touchdown yesterday. One of the better running backs in football this season, despite having an iffy offensive line. And then they've got exciting guys on defense, too. Uh, you know, they spent a first-round pick on a cornerback. Um, they have a guy up front like, um, you know, Jonathan Allen was a pass rusher. They took last draft or two drafts ago now. Taven Bryan, defensive tackle. Miles Jack, obviously, is the is the main superstar over there. Um, I, it, it's, it's a really exciting opportunity for Jacksonville. Obviously, it's a tough market to bring free agents in, but if you can get the quarterback right, this could be an exciting team next year. Uh, if you tell me that you're going to roll out an offense that's um, Justin Fields, James Robinson behind him, and he's throwing to Levinska, Keelan Cole, D.D. Westbrook, D.J. Chark. Um, you know, they've got James O'Shaughnessy at tight end, Tyler Eifert at tight end. It's an exciting team. I think this team could have a lot of potential to grow if they get the quarterback right. So uh, hopefully they can secure the second overall pick. And um, and that would, be, that would be a really fun team where I say, man, they might not win a lot of games next year, but they're going to put up a lot of points, especially if they keep um, – Oh, God, what the hell's his name? What's his nuts? Oh, offensive coordinator. He used to coach the uh, Washington football team. I'm not going to think of his name by the time I'm done here. So, um, Jaguars, I'm, I'm excited about what's there. And then for Cleveland, I mean, first uh, first and foremost, is the best rushing game in football. It's, it's not close. Nick Chubb, 19. Carries 144 yards, a touchdown, 7.6 yards per carry. Kareem Hunt, 10 for 62, 6.2 yards per carry. Best running game in football. Unquestionable. Uh, the offensive line has been much better in the run game this year. A lot of multi-tight end sets. They can wear you down in the trenches, man. This is a, an aggressive team. Um, here's my problem and a dilemma that I was kind of alluding to. is it Baker... You know, what do you do if you're Cleveland? You know, I kind of compare it to a situation like we saw in Los Angeles uh, with the Rams where they get Jared Goff. They've got a, an amazing offensive system, one of the best systems in football, a lot of talent around him, and he's a serviceable quarterback. They make a trip to the Super Bowl. He gets paid a handsome extension, something I never thought he was worth. And, you know, Los Angeles, look, now they're a little cap tight because of a contract like that for Jared Goff. He never did anything that was totally amazing. He had one really, that Super Bowl year was his best season he's had um, thus far in his, in his young career. But you know, you take a look at the Rams and it's just how do you figure out the money? Jared Goff isn't worth that much. And Baker Mayfield isn't worth an extension like that either. So Cleveland has a really interesting decision to make here because I, I just, I don't know what Baker is going to ask for but he can't ask for much, can he? You can't take a look at his numbers. You know, the only thing that would say, you know, oh, well, we've, you know, we're an eight and three team this year. You know, this is our best season since 2007. I just, I don't know. I don't think that you can reward a quarterback just because the team is finally right. They've got the best run game in football. They've got talented receivers. Their defense steps up when it needs to. That's not, the, that's not on the quarterback. You know, the quarterback misses a lot of throws. His footwork is really bad. 
He missed a wide open slant. Um, oh, I forget who it was to. Just a wide open throw. Just completely missed him in the end zone. No coverage. He just overthrew him. And it was because his feet weren't set correctly. You know, just small things like that. You know, you just aren't seeing the improvements from Baker. Yeah, I didn't turn the ball over. Two touchdowns, no picks. But I just... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I there, There's a really interesting dilemma coming up. Because, look, if uh, no one's going to be able to answer me on this, but if, if you're the Cleveland Browns and you're sitting there and you go, okay, we can have Baker Mayfield, who we're eventually going to have to extend and we're going to have to pay money to, um, how much to be determined, why wouldn't we try and, and get a guy like Matt Stafford? Matt Stafford in Cleveland would be fun as fuck. Odell, Jarvis, Kareem Hunt. You know, that's the most talent Stafford has had. I mean, no disrespect to Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones. But, you know, I just, I don't know. Everything would be a really fun situation for Matt Stafford in Cleveland. I don't know why. I've been pinned to that for the last two weeks now. Would be a really interesting situation where if Cleveland says, look, we're going to have to pay our quarterback anyways. Why don't we take a better quarterback that's already being paid that is actually going to elevate our offense? If you put Matt Stafford with this run game... It'd be one of the best offenses in football. There's no denying it. So, um, hats off to Cleveland. And then hats off to Baker. Look, I understand that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of crapping on him a little bit. You know, hats off to him. He, he's winning football games. He's not turning the ball over that much. Um, but if you're a team like this, and you've got young studs all around the roster and your quarterback just isn't getting it done and it's not necessarily consistent, why not take the shot for a guy that, man, Matt Stafford is going gonna, is gonna to play his heart out in Cleveland. You know, his, his years, you know, he doesn't have much left in the tank. He's going to give it his all to Cleveland. That's like one of those moves where I say, you just got to give it a shot. You just got to pull the trigger on that. Because I, I just don't think Baker is going to be the guy that, can go toe-to-toe with the best teams in the NFL. Here I am talking about the Browns and their best, you know, best run game in football. They only beat the 1-10 Jaguars by two points. You know, I think the quarterback needs to be a difference maker in Cleveland. Just something to consider. This is a really long podcast. All right, Panthers-Vikings. Um, Minnesota, three or more giveaways for the first uh, time since... Uh, sorry. It's the first time since 2010 that Minnesota turned the ball over three or more times and still won the game. Uh, they win after uh, Joey Sly misses a uh, potential game-winning field goal for the Panthers. Minnesota wins it 28-27. to uh, Both of these teams um, are not good. I don't really have a whole lot to say um, outside of, look, Cleveland is on a stretch now where I think they're one in seven in the last eight, one and six in the last seven. You know, they, they had a really surprising start to the year and then they kind of toned off. Now I, you know, I, I apologized to them in week four and turns out two months later, I was kind of right. I picked them to be a three and 13 team. They're four and eight. They might get to a five or six win season, but I was more right than I was wrong. I'd say on that. And I apologized too quickly. So I'm rescinding it, Carolina. Um, watch now they're going to win out and finish the year at eight and eight. Um, but I just, I've always been on the train that I don't think Teddy is really the future. Um, I, I just, if I don't, I don't think they'll be picking high enough to be able to get a quarterback that you would take over Teddy, but I just don't think he's a long-term fix there. Um, 
And uh, look, they don't have Christian McCaffrey. Uh, DJ Moore got hurt in this game at some point. It was a little clunky. Um, Minnesota got lucky, though. With those two straight plays that were turnovers for touchdowns, I thought the game was over. They fought their way back without Adam Thielen. Uh, Beside Johnson with that late... Um, or no, sorry, it was Chad Beebe with that late touchdown to uh, take the lead. They got lucky at the end with the missed field goal. You know, slide the distance, but he hooked it. Not much to say about this game. Two teams that won't be in the playoffs. Two teams that I think are kind of stuck in purgatory based on just how they're going to finish in the draft. Where it's like, okay, they could move on from Kirk Cousins. They could move on from Teddy. But is there really an upgrade at pick 15 or pick 12? I don't know. Because a lot of quarterbacks are going to go top 10 in this draft. Keep things moving along. Nick Folk kicked a game-winning 50-yard field goal as time expired for the New England Patriots as they move to 5-6 and six, uh, over the Arizona Cardinals, 20-17. to 17. This is the I told you so game. Look, I love Kyler Murray, and they got off to an amazing start, but I told you it was going to slow down. Now they're one game above 500. Um, you know, they've put themselves into the mix for the wild card here. They're not getting the division above Seattle or Los Angeles at this point. This is what I said. They had a really easy first half schedule and it was just, it, it was time that it was going to go crumbling down a little bit. Now they've lost a few games here, six and five. Um, this was just a weird game where it, it was, you know, both teams kept making mistakes late. Cam didn't have another great game. Um, Neither quarterback did. You know, Cam was 9 of 18 for 84 yards and two picks. Kyler was 23 of 34 for 170 and one interception, no touchdowns. Uh, Kenyon Drake, they fed him a lot. Uh, the Patriots, likewise, went to the ground a lot with Damian Harris leading the, Damian Harris leading the way with 14 carries. Um, ugly game, defensive game. Uh, Patriots outcoached the Cardinals. You know, Bill Belichick is greater than Cliff Kingsbury. We could have probably seen this coming from a mile away. Um, Patriots are kind of just stuck in this position. What, what are you supposed to make of the Patriots? They're 5-6. and six. They look awful, but they just pull out these ugly games. You know, the game-winning field goal against the Jets, then the game-winning field goal against the Cardinals. Like, they're just an ugly football team. I really wish that they were picking, you know, in the top five or something like that, but Bill won't let that happen. He's too good of a coach. Uh, meanwhile, Arizona... I told you so. I just I knew it was going to come down at some point. Let's take a look at the remaining schedule. Of course, I don't know how to type. All right, let's take a look what they got the rest of the way. See, it's just, you know, there's a few games in here that are winnable, but they've got the Rams next. I like the Rams in that. Then they've got two easy ones against the Giants and Eagles. 49ers will be a tough matchup for them. Um, obviously, the Cardinals got the best of them in week one of the NFL season, then they finish with the Rams again. To me... They go at least two and three in that stretch. Maybe they can go three and two. I don't know if nine and seven is going to be good enough in the NFC. Um, so maybe they need to get three and two. Uh, but I think this is probably an eight and eight team um, at best when it's all said and done. Honestly, probably the same for the Patriots. I'm sure they'll sneak a few games in late that they'll win. Two just very mediocre teams that have certain things I love about them. And certain things that I just flat out hate about their team. You know, the Cardinals still have problems with the offensive line. Still have problems throwing the ball to a guy not DeAndre Hopkins. I just think they, you know, outside of him, none of the receivers. Kirk has had a few games where he came on a bit. But other than that, there hasn't been a whole lot that, that I've loved necessarily. Um, and then their defense is also pretty bad. 
All right, not much to talk about with this one either. The Dolphins move to 7-4 with a 20-3 victory over the now 0-11 New York football Jets. Uh, the, the Miami Dolphins allowed three total points against the Jets this season, uh, which a very impressive um, showing by Brian Flores there. Uh, the Dolphins... They're one of those teams, like I said, you know, if the Dolphins didn't go on this run, I would feel good about the Raiders still making the playoffs. But the Dolphins, with uh, the wins that they're able to string together in the last, you know, four or five weeks, it's going to make it really difficult for the Raiders to get in. Um, and and look, the Dolphins have a, it's such an interesting situation. You know, they, they didn't have to a play, um, I think it was because of injury. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was where he was just inactive. They went back to Fitzy. He did his part. Um, this is one of those teams. I just I don't know what you do. Obviously, they they think Tua can be the future. They wouldn't have drafted him over Justin Herbert if they didn't think so. But it really is interesting to monitor a coach like this and how he handles the quarterback position. This is something that we kind of don't see that often. I'm trying to think about the last time that a team was switching between. You know, a veteran guy who's been around for a while and the rookie quarterback that they've drafted. Um, I'm trying to think if anything comes to mind immediately. You know, with the with the Browns, they started Tyrod for a few games and they put Baker out there. You just don't see this kind of often, but for whatever reason, it doesn't matter because they're still winning games. They're one of the best coached teams in all of football. They really are. That roster, if you look at the names, it shouldn't be a playoff team. It shouldn't. But they've got Brian Flores. Um, they're, they're doing it however possible, whether it's defensive touchdowns, special teams play. Tua had a couple great games in there. Fitzy wasn't awful yesterday or two days ago now. Um, so really interesting there. And then the Jets. What do you say? This is an 0-16 team. Adam Gase will wear this for the rest of his life. Hopefully he doesn't get a head coaching job again. Um, honestly, I don't think I don't know how you can give him an offensive coordinator job again. I mean, his offense outside of the years with Peyton Manning has been in the bottom third of the NFL every single year. And if the if you're an offensive coordinator and that's your background, and it's this bad, I don't think you should be getting an offensive coordinator job anytime soon. He he is one of the oddest guys in football, man. It just doesn't look like he fits in the NFL. I I don't know. Um, Dolphins win 20-3. Look, another game we don't have to talk too much about. The Saints beat the Broncos 31-3. Saints 9-2. Uh, the Broncos now 4-7. 91 total passing yards combined, the fewest since 1982. Uh, no quarterbacks played in this one. Taysom Hill and uh, oh, what's his first name? Kelly Hamilton for the Broncos who is called up, or Kendall, my apologies, Kendall Hinton, oh my god, I got his entire name wrong, Kendall Hinton, uh, who was on the practice squad on Saturday, Sunday, he was signed to the active roster, he went one of nine, 13 yards, two interceptions, ugly, ugly, ugly game, that's what happens when you don't have any active quarterbacks, um, it's really interesting to see a situation like this play out. A lot of people that I know that work alongside Denver or follow Denver are fans of Denver were very frustrated by the decision to still have them play this game on Sunday. Um, you know, when you take a look at the Ravens, who, you know, their COVID uh, precautions have pushed the game now two or three different times. So, um, look, 
I don't know where to stand on that. I think Denver, they take a look and they say, well, you're not in the playoff hunt anyway, so what does it really matter? But I also think that, I think that with a normal quarterback, I really, for the most part, liked how Denver was able to hold its own against New Orleans offense. Um, you know, it's just the fact that the Broncos couldn't do anything. They passed for 13 yards. I just, I don't know. I, I feel like that's not a fair... I don't think that's that's fair to teams in the NFC that are fighting for playoff positioning. Um, you know, if if every team could get a freebie like that, where their opposing quarterback is a practice squad wide receiver, I'm sure everybody would enjoy a 31 to three win. Um, I don't know, not a whole lot to say about this game. There's nothing you can take away from this game. Nothing. You you can't you can't walk out of this game and tell me that you feel better about the uh, better about the Saints than you did the week before. It's no, they you can't take anything from that game. You just have to mention it because it happened. The Saints are now nine and two, one of the best records in football, which is annoying because I don't believe that they're one of the best teams in football. Uh, but they win this one 31 to three. Uh, we got four games left. We have been going for a while, so I'll try and speed through this. Uh, the 49ers, surprising win over the Los Angeles Rams, 23-20. to Robbie Gold hitting a game-winning 42-yard field goal as time expired. Uh, I believe the 49ers have now won four straight games against the Rams. Uh, so they move to 5-6 and six with the win. The Rams fall to 7-4. and four. Um, Look, Kyle Shanahan kind of just has the upper hand over Sean McVay at this time. Um, it was great to see Debo Samuel backed out there at receiver. I mean, got 11 catches for 133 yards. Uh, very efficient game from him. Very efficient game for Nick Mullins. He threw the interception, but 24-35. I don't hate Nick Mullins in this offense. I, this is my thing with, with Kyle. I really think he wants Matt Ryan. I really do. I, I think he wants, at the very least, I believe he wants a different quarterback. I see a whole situation playing out where Jimmy Garoppolo somehow ends up back in New England. I see Matt Ryan flying across the country to go to uh, San Francisco. Matt Stafford on the move somewhere. You know, there's going to be so many quarterbacks changing teams this year. I just, I got to think that that Kyle knows that his offense is limited with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm. And I just don't believe that he can be seen as the future quarterback in San Francisco. I, I feel like you gotta take the move on a guy like Matt Ryan because also you've been fortunate where you've been able to draft really well. So right now you've got a lot of guys on rookie contracts where trading for a guy's salary like Matt Ryan, of course you're replacing the big salary of, of Jimmy Garoppolo so it doesn't mean that much. But you're still able to maximize the time where you've got these young guys on the roster before their extensions are due. You know, a Fred Warner, a Debo Samuel. You just paid George Kittle, but I mean, deservingly so. There's, a, you know, Nick Bosa is on a rookie contract. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, rookie defensive tackle. The window is now. The window is now. And to me, I think Kyle is a um, an aggressive enough of a voice where he can say, hey, look, our window is now. We need a quarterback that can take us to that level. And I, look, he hasn't had the best season, but I believe with the right offensive line, I think reuniting with Kyle, I think Matt Ryan can still be a very talented quarterback, even starting next season uh, if he was with the 49ers. So I'm all aboard with that one. Um, impressive win. It's just, it's, he's, it's such a well-coached team. Like I said, Salah should be a head coach next year. 
Um, you know, Kyle Shanahan is one of the smartest in the game. Uh, and on the flip side, look, the Rams it was a, uh, you know, they, they had so many good wins in a row. You know, you, you kind of just come up short against the 49ers. It happens. I'm not, I'm not thinking less of the Rams. It, it's the situation, though, that I talk about with Baker. The, the Rams have already made that mistake. You know, they should not have paid Jared Goff all that money. He was not worth it. You know, Sean McVay is, is the reason that Goff was doing so well. You know, the weapons around them and, and the offensive line, they all made Jared Goff a better quarterback. Um, you know, 19-31, 198, zero touchdowns, two picks. Um, just another meh game from Goff. You know, it's, it's so interesting because in a situation where I feel like Jimmy has a market where I think New England would love to have him back, I think Bill would love to have him back, there can't be much of a market for Jared Goff, right? He's making so much money. He's one of the most overpaid quarterbacks in football. He's better when he has time in the pocket. Um, he's better when the run game is going. Um, but these these duds of games that they're just sitting at, it's it's just it's it's hard to think of what this team could be with you know a top ten quarterback. It would be so good, so entertaining. Sean McVay would be able to do so much more with the playbook. Both of these coaches, I, I just take a look at this game and I say, these two offensive minds would kill for a top ten quarterback. They could do so much with one, but. For the 49ers, I think it's easier to move off of theirs than it is for the Rams. And look, the Rams have put their stake into Jared Goff. They've paid him. He's the face of the franchise for now. How long it lasts, I don't know. I just don't see it getting necessarily that much better. 49ers win a shocker, 23-20. Three games left. Chiefs, Buccaneers. Um... <laughs> God, there's so many different things to discuss here. Uh, let's talk about the Chiefs because that's the, the fun stuff first. Mahomes... I love him so much. I do. You know, I just 37 of 49, 462, three touchdowns. Tyreek Hill had 200 receiving yards in the first quarter, finished with 13 catches for 269, three touchdowns on 15 targets. Uh, Tyreek Hill leads the league in receiving yards. Travis Kelsey is number two. Um, all things considered, they couldn't do shit on the ground. You know, Clyde averaged 3.4 yards a carry, Le'Veon 4.4 on only five attempts. Uh, but they didn't need to because they were just picking apart that Tampa secondary. That's the one thing that I was questioning. You know, Todd Bowles has done a really good job this year, um, but deciding to really not cover Tyreek as much as they did or prep for Tyreek as much as they did was a very um, interesting decision. One that I would say maybe don't do next time. Um, I don't know if they... Look, they've got a great front seven. I get that the secondary isn't the strength of their defense, so, hey, congrats, you stopped the run. But, hey, Pat Mahomes isn't a running back. So um, they took care of things pretty easily. I know Tampa crept back in late, but I never thought they had a chance to actually win that one. Uh, the, the question now becomes, you know, they've lost, what, three of four now? They're sitting at seven and five, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What... I'm trying to figure out what to make of this team. It's a very good front seven. Secondary has young talent. The offensive line still has, to me, has been playing well. I, I really think that people are going too easy on Tom. 
you know, Bruce has a very vertical passing attack. And Brady, through the early parts of the season, I thought was actually connecting on his deep balls a lot better. Um, so maybe his arm is just getting a little tired. It's week 12 of a, of a very new system, one in which you, uh, you know, in New England, with the way that their offense was set up, you're not throwing the ball deep that often. It's a lot of short dink and dunk, a lot of short passes, uh, you know, thrown to the running backs a lot. And in Tampa, it's just vertical, vertical, vertical. So it's all these deep passes. Your arm gets more uh, worn out, I guess, as the year goes on. And, and maybe, look, father time catches up to everybody. It does. Um, and it seems like this year has taken a little bit of a toll on Tom. Um, that being said, you know, he still threw for 345, three touchdowns. He did have two picks. Uh, the, the turnovers are the scary ones because he's just chucking it up there sometimes and just hoping that something happens. Um, and it just hasn't been good. Hasn't been good at all. Um, the offense, it's, it's so surprising because there's so much talent there. It, it's, it's shocking that it isn't working. But that being said, they're still 7-5. and five. I still believe that this is a playoff team um, and one that maybe they just get you know a lucky matchup. You know, if they could somehow get that top wild card spot and get to play the, the winner of the NFC East, you know, they're already moving on to the second round at that point. That's essentially what a, uh, a, a bye would be like. Um, but who knows? I don't know. Got to get AB involved more. Only three targets in that one. Uh, Mike, you know, Mike Evans got targeted nine times, only had three catches. Of course, two were touchdowns, but uh, you need a higher catch percentage than that. They got Gronk involved 106 yards. Weird game. Weird game. I, I just, Tampa's a tough one to figure out right now, honestly. Chiefs, best team in the NFL. If you haven't put a future on the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, I don't know what to tell you. This is, this is injuries aside, this is the Super Bowl team. I, I'm just so convinced of that. All right, Sunday night, two games left. Uh, Bears lose uh, to the Packers 41-25. to Green Bay moves to 8-3. and three. Uh, Chicago falls to 5-6 and six after a 5-1 and one start to the season, so losers of five straight now. Uh, Green Bay, this is the second most points they've ever put up against Chicago in the Super Bowl era, uh, 41. It was a lot early on. They got off to an early lead. It was closer. It wasn't as close as the scoreboard shows. That's because uh, Chicago put up 15 late garbage points in the fourth quarter. They went back to Mitch. They've been going between Mitch and Nick Foles. Neither of them are starting caliber quarterbacks to me. Um, I have to question Matt Nagy at this point. His offense looks very bland. Um, I know that they're dealing with a lot of offensive line problems. That's why I'm not going to give too much to. Uh, that's why I'm not going to give too much crap to um, Nagy. You know, with the right offensive line and the right quarterback, this could be a very different situation. But they are unfortunately at a point now, kind of like what I say with some of these other teams, where they're stuck at five and six. So. Draft position is so important. Are they going to be the team that just decides to unload draft picks to move up into the top five or top ten? You know, what team is going to do that this offseason? Is it going to be a team like the Vikings or the Lions or the Falcons or the Bears? Like, what team, Patriots, what team is going to make the jump into the top ten to take the quarterback of the future? That's what's most interesting to me because there's a lot of teams that I think could really benefit from doing so. Um, Green Bay... When they're rolling, they're rolling. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, so much talent. Um, getting Alan Lazard back is, is great. Um, you know, he didn't do, you know, he had the touchdown grab, but he had four catches, 23 yards. Uh, they got Robert Tanyan involved. Um, terrific year from Aaron Rodgers. It really is. 21 of 29, 211, four touchdowns, no picks. 
Uh, like I said, you know, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams both uh, ran the ball combined 34 times for, let's see, 163 yards and one touchdown. Just a great game from Green Bay. They have to be taken seriously. They really do. They're a legit team. Um, so we shall wait and see uh, what lies ahead for them. All right, and then the last one, and we'll get on out of here. The Seattle Seahawks hold on uh, to a 23-17 victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. Seattle now 8-3. Philadelphia falls to 3-7-1. Let's talk about the Seahawks first. Uh, a lot of people are going to take a look at their last you know, stretch of games and, and their next two weeks as well, too, and they're going to say, okay, Seattle's fixed their defense. Seattle's pass rush is fixed. It's not. They're just playing really bad offensive lines. It's better. It's it's better than it was, you know, at the beginning of the season. They've added necessary guys to fill in the void of losing a guy like Jadeveon Clowney, all that and whatnot. Actually, even the next three weeks, they're going to face some really bad offensive lines. So they had Philadelphia last week or last night, which was a um a, one of the worst offensive lines. I mean, Carson Wentz has no time in the pocket. Uh, he also is a quarterback that holds onto the ball terribly long, so you know you're going to get some free shots at him as well too. Next week they play the New York Football Giants, really bad offensive line. Oh, it only gets better. The week after that they play the Jets, and then they get Washington as well before finishing the season with the Rams and 49ers. This team is going to finish with a really great record. They have a chance at getting the number one seed in the NFC. Um, I believe it should be between them and. Uh, I guess throw Green Bay in there, but pretty pretty much them and the Saints, I'd say, is really who's fighting for that number one seed in the NFC, um, especially with the Rams losing to um, to San Francisco. That makes their path a little bit easier. But please, like, let's just take a look. They've had a very easy schedule this second half of the season. They were the flip side of of Arizona for me, where you know Seattle's the way better team. They had a tougher schedule in the first half of the season. It's gotten a, a hell of a lot lighter to finish out the year, so they're going to be well rested. Uh, hopefully, they'll be in a good in, in a good shape. I just don't see them as legit contenders. I don't think the defense is as good as people are going to be saying it is. So please keep that in mind when you're hearing people say Seattle's defense is fixed. Seattle is is one of the best teams in the NFL. Their defense is atrocious. Still, it's still really bad. Um, you know, and, and you know, of course, the the Seahawks made a last second cover on the spread last night. Um, it shouldn't have been that close of a game at all. Uh, I don't know how Seahawks fans, you know, I, I hope they're not feeling all high and mighty over beating this Eagles football team by six points. Uh, and then the flip side, Philadelphia, so many problems to figure out. Um, and, and they're in such a weird situation. I, I hate to stretch it into the extension talk about, you know, what I was saying earlier with Jared Goff. Um, Carson Wentz, to me, had the tools He's more athletic uh, than a Jared Goff, and I would have paid him before I would have paid Jared Goff, but now the Eagles are sitting in this situation too where the cap is tight and they're paying a quarterback who is not uh, pushing the needle uh, for them as a winning football team. Carson Wentz has taken some, some major steps back. His mechanics are all off. He's not really throwing off of his back. He's not driving the football down the field. He's lofting every throw. He's trying to make finesse plays that just drop into the breadbasket. And he's underthrowing a ton of guys. Um, you know, so he needs more weight on his back foot to lead forward. Um, it's been ugly this year. It's been really bad. And some of his mechanics are just so sloppy now. I mean, that man has a fastball. 
You know, I love watching him in 2017. He could shred it. He threw a really good football a few years back, and now he's just trying to do all these loft plays, um, which are good if you're connecting on him, but he's overthrowing them or he's underthrowing them. He, it's, it's just not on time. There were so many underthrows yesterday where, you know, fortunately the receivers were able to draw some pass interference calls, but Carson Wentz had a really bad game. Um, this team, it's tough because you say, well, we're only one game out of the NFC East, so why wouldn't we keep Carson Wentz in? He's our winner. He's our quarterback. But also, you're 3-7-1, and one, so it's like, well, what? If, let's see what we got in Jalen Hurts. Let's try it out. You know, I don't know. It, it's a shit situation. Um, everybody's got to be a little tense in Philadelphia about their job security at this point, even Doug Peterson. Uh, ever since 2017, this has been kind of a shit show with them where they made the playoffs still, but they, they lose early. The team is empty despite spending a lot of money on some key positions. You know, they're paying a lot on the offensive line for some injuries. They're paying a lot to Carson Wentz. They've added some expensive guys on defense. Uh, you know, receiving talent, it's, it is tough to come by. Um, and, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I think that this is a, uh, a really bad situation in Philadelphia. Plus, you take a look, they couldn't do anything in the ground game. You know, the offensive line is really bad, but Carson was the leading rusher with 42 yards. Miles Sanders had 15. Um, so... Really, really ugly game here for the Eagles, and they still only lost by six. So I, I just, please, don't come to me telling me that Seattle is legit Super Bowl contenders. I just don't see it defensively. Uh, their offense has taken a step back. You know, Russ hasn't been Russ of the first month. DK is still amazing. Um, you know, terrific wide receiver. I just, you Seahawks fans, like, take a look at the 8-3. and three. And look, after the next three weeks, they're going to be 11-3. and three. Please take a look at who you've been playing. You've had a very light second half of the schedule. Um, and I, I just don't believe that this team is legit um, Super Bowl contenders. I would take, still to this point, I would take the Saints. I would take the Rams. I would take the Packers. Um, and that might be it. I might have them at number four in the NFC. Tampa really is one of those teams where I go, okay, I trust their defense a whole lot better. Maybe if Tom Brady can, can flip the switch for one game, they could get it right. So I'd probably put Seattle in that tier with Tampa right now. But that'll wrap things up for week 12 of the NFL season, of course. Still waiting on that Wednesday game between the Steelers and the Ravens. So I uh, won't be able to talk about that one. We'll, we'll address it later in the week, and then we'll move into week 13. Have some pods coming out throughout the week. Uh, Teddy and I will be back this Friday with picks against the spread for week 13. Uh, really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, make sure to like, review, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, uh, reach out, tell me, tell me what, uh, what you love, what takes you on with me, what you hate about the pod, what takes you disagree with. Uh, I'm all ears. So um, thanks for listening. I'm Blake Pace, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace.